Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Theseable Podcasts. Today's topic is misogyny, which is defined as the dislike of or prejudice against women. In the past 20 years, we have seen inspirational, brave, and strong women coming from all over the world battling political, economic, environmental, and social struggles. However different these women may be, they have all battled misogyny from peers, colleagues, and close family and friends. Today, we're going to talk to you about misogyny, where it comes from, the different forms it appears in, and personal experiences. Where does misogyny come from? Considered one of the oldest prejudices, misogyny has countered women's freedoms, rights, and ideas. Misogyny has lasted as long as marriages, European influence, and cultural stigmas. The first of the three factors is the ordeal of marriage, where women were handed as property to men who claimed ownership of their wives. This misogyny made it harder for women to be given voting rights and by limiting their freedoms and liberties. The second factor is European influence. In the United States, Native American hunter-gatherer groups gave men and women equal roles and responsibilities. As European colonizers began to take over the land, the value of the land increased in cultural exchange as hunter-gatherer moved to a more agricultural society. What did this mean for women? In the agricultural societies, men did all the work while women stayed at home changing the status and value of women in a working society. The third and most prominent factor of misogyny are cultural barriers and stigmas. One of the most popular forms of misogyny is the taboo prawn menstruation. These taboos and barriers make it hard for women to take care of themselves without feeling uncomfortable or insecure of their own bodies, as long as men censor, regulate, and watch over their actions. Another example of cultural stigma which has a large impact on misogyny is how women are supposed to dress or act in front of guy peers, colleagues, or counterparts, putting social limitations of what women can or cannot do, enhancing the definition of misogyny and patriarchal values in the 21st century. Now let's take a look at the psychology of a misogynist. Most misogynists tend to treat women as objects rather than people. These type of people are specifically hostile towards women that they feel threatened by. Many men today are focused on their fragile masculinity and often don't participate in actions that they think are feminine. Men like this are very self-conscious and insecure about their masculinity and only want to be seen as a stereotypical man. This is why these type of men tend to be much more misogynistic. Masculine gender normality plays a huge role in causing toxic masculinity. Men often deflect their misogynistic ways to women who reject them. Now we're going to share some of our personal experiences with misogyny and sexism. So I remember when I was a kid, I loved to play soccer in the park. One specific time, I was playing with my family friends, and I heard one of them say, You play like a girl. I was so confused. What was wrong with playing like a girl? Phrases like these imply that women are weak and inferior to men. Another example is when I did an interview at school. We were asked some of the biggest problems about STEAM education and programs, and the first thing that came to us was the lack of representation in women in the fields that we wanted to pursue. As girls raised their hands, complaints and suggestions 
elections, we realized that patriarchal values and misogyny had decreased women's opportunities, and it was up to us, the interviews at the STEAM meeting, and other girls who would have raised their hands with suggestions to disassemble misogyny and give both men and women the same opportunities and representation. Another clear memory I have was when I was around 12 years old and I got my period, and I remember my mom telling me the list of things I could and could not do because of it, and because I was a girl, it occurred to me that guys never had this talk with anyone, and that these rules were set in place to protect girls, creating insecurities and questions that we were scared to have answered. And finally, I have a memory of learning to cook in my second grade class. Several of the boys claimed they would rather be playing outside because cooking is a girl thing. Sexism and misogyny are taught to children at a young age, especially in the form of traditional gender roles, which are portrayed in books, media, and movies, which, which are introduced at an early age. Misogyny is very present in society today. It's often expressed in the form of slut-shaming or reinforcing old-fashioned stereotypes associated with women and catcalling. Some common misogynistic phrases are, you play like a girl, or don't worry about your pretty face. These comments are normalized in society today, but are actually pretty misogynistic. Assuming that girls dress up for boys is another form of normalized misogyny. It's time to remove normalized misogyny from our vocabulary and lifestyle. Now we're going to hear from Kirthana, who's actually going to go more in depth into gender inequality. Hi guys, my name is Kirthana Tala. And before I go into today's topic, I want to tell you a little bit about my family. I am South Asian and my mom is from Hyderabad, a city in Telangana. My father is from a village called Narsayapalli, also located in Telangana. Now, as a child, I adored the village. The chickens, the goats, the buffaloes, the animals. But as I grew older, I also became more aware of the gender inequality that resided in the people's mindsets there. India today has become a lot more progressive. In the city, I see both women and men going to work, choosing their paths. However, still, women are seen as the inferior gender compared to males. Growing up in America, I never felt embarrassed about being a girl. But when I visit India, people ask my parents, do you have any sons? And when my dad replies that he only has two daughters, they look at him with the gaze of pity. Such experiences are common, but why? Males in India are seen with more favor because of many reasons. First and foremost being that for centuries, they are seen to be the head of the family, the breadwinner. Because of this belief that males are stronger, Indians want sons so that they can help out in the family. In addition, sons carry the family name and receive dowry. Women are seen as a burden because of the responsibilities the families have of giving them away. And giving them away means losing family income through dowry. In general, they are seen to be weaker as well and are reduced to caretakers of the family and the house. Oftentimes, their only expectation is to give birth. 
Personally, I find it very ironic because there are many empowering female gods such as Kali. Yet there is a lack of empowerment for women. This mindset of male superiority creates an endless cycle that suppresses women. And as someone who has embraced being a female, it pains me to watch my female relatives endure this atrocity. But it is truly heartbreaking when they too adopt this inferiority mindset. I have always loved and still love my aunts and uncles in my village, but what I do not love is their mindset. And I do not blame them for it either because it is all they know. In rural areas, there's less education. And especially in older generations, only the males have gotten educated. People see women getting an education as unnecessary. This is also a key factor that widens the gender gap. My aunt that I hadn't seen in a while told me that I had grown up so nicely. I'm talkative and fun, but it would have been perfect if I were male. See, that's the issue here. The issue here is that a woman is telling another woman that being a girl is not good enough. So when it comes to gender inequality, women are just as much to blame as men. Women put each other down. The truth of the matter is being a girl in India is not easy. They go through physical, mental, and emotional abuse. My aunt made her daughter-in-law quit her job after she got married to her son. She was a teacher. Now my dad's side is filled with farmers and these days, Farming is not a popular profession. So the son, my cousin, did not want to work the fields. He wanted to chase a car business career. But someone has to work the fields. So the daughter-in-law was forced to. She lost a lot of weight and tanned. Next time I saw her, she was unrecognizable. One morning when I was 15 years old, I found her crying in a corner. And it turns out she gets physically abused because my cousin would beat her after he got drunk. But no one stood up for her. She didn't say anything and no one else said anything. People just watched. When my dad found out and interfered, things got better. My cousin has been treating his wife better and she's considering to join her teaching career again. But for many women, things do not get better. My other cousin gets shamed from her in-laws because she was unable to bear any sons. They tried four times and all four times she gave birth to girls. Little do they know that it is actually the male who determines the gender of the baby. My other relative was pressured into trying again by her mother-in-law, even though she did not want to because her in-laws wanted a boy. Why is it that Indian women have no control over their own bodies? In many parts, women are told when and what to do with their bodies. They have no voice. They are raped and get little to no justice. They are refused a career and forced into marriage. Now I must admit that things are changing though. My nieces and nephews in the village both get an education. I see women entering the business and technology world, and I see women being allowed to choose their husbands. However, in many areas, this is not the case. And all in all, there is still a long way to go 
to truly achieve gender equality. Thank you, Kirtana, for going more in-depth on gender inequality and any misogyny you faced and for giving us some real-life examples. So, how can we fight misogyny? One of the most effective ways to fight any problem in society is to call out and educate. Whenever you hear someone using a misogynistic or sexist phrase, educate them on why it's wrong. Listen to women and their experiences of misogyny. Don't undermine or try to correct them. Instead, try to understand what they've gone through. Educate yourself on fragile and toxic masculinity. What you can do as a person to help is simply just educate and bring attention to issues in the world today. Thank you so much if you've made it this far into our podcast. We genuinely appreciate your support. Follow our Instagram at Faceable Podcasts to learn more about who we are and to listen to more of our podcasts. To leave feedback, please email us at theseablepodcasts at gmail.com, which is also located on our Instagram page. Even though we are just three teens recording podcasts in our bedrooms, we hope to make it far one day, and we want to change the world one step at a time. Please share our podcast with your family and friends to help us out. Thank you.